You're watching Deprogrammed. This is the new Culture Forum's latest show, committed to fighting back against the forces of ideological conformity, particularly among the young. My name's Harrison Pitt, I'm a senior editor at the European Conservative, and I'm thrilled to be joined today, as ever, by Evan Riggs, who is a freelance journalist, and our special guest this week, Georgia Leah Gilholy, a freelance journalist who's written for The Spectator, The Critic, and Conservative Home. Now, Georgia, following Hamas's brutal attack on Israel last week, much of the critical attention has been turned in the media and elsewhere on, on Israel itself. How do you explain this phenomenon that we always see whenever there is a flare-up in that part of the world? Um, I think there's a problem because um, obviously we all saw the footage of... I mean, my brother woke me up at six in the morning on, on the day that this happened, and this was some of the places that were attacked, by the way, were places that I myself actually visited a few weeks ago. Oh, really? And I was, my brother was showing me these videos, and I just couldn't believe it. You know, these these are, of course, they're in um, some of these places like Sterot and uh, Karim Shalom and um, uh, some of the kibbutzes that are attacked. Um, they're in the Gaza envelope, envelope, which is an area of land that's quite close to Gaza. But, you know, peop, you know, Israel is, you know, a highly developed country. There's obviously security flare-ups every few years, especially, and just, I suppose, around, all year round, really. Mm. But in those kind of towns... People generally feel safe, and I was I was I was absolutely shocked as soon as I saw the footage of, you know, uh, Hamas gunmen coming into these towns where people feel safe. Where I personally felt safe several weeks ago, mm. I obviously uh, know people who uh, you know have lived near there, that kind of thing. Actually, you know, a journalist that I met when I was in Israel recently, you know, luckily him and his family are okay. They are in one of those kibbutz, and, and essentially what happened is they were. <clears throat> left sort of, they hid in a, a part of their house for sort of eight, nine hours, mm. and then um, someone turned up and, you know, um, said, okay, you know, they've gone now. But some of their neighbors have been kidnapped, uh, murdered in the most brutal way. And the thing is, we all saw this happening, you know, instantly sort of on social media and more and more horrific clips. By the way, many of them, not just Israel security footage or people filming from, you know, their balconies and Staros and that kind of thing. It was from Hamas themselves. Yes. They live streamed this. Mm. Um, we saw this happen. And instantly, we have people in the UK, obviously also in America, but we're in the UK, so let's focus on that. Um, people in the UK, far left um, commentators, journalists, um, and of course, Islamists, instantly celebrating this. Um, and many of these people, it's pointless to name, to name them specifically because there's so many of them. Um, in the coming days, they backtracked and said, mm, you know, actually, we weren't really sure what was happening at the time. So um, I think it's OK that we were celebrating this. Um, we didn't really we didn't really know, but we still celebrate this, blah, blah, blah. There are other people who um, still are saying, well, you know, this is resistance. Um, this is resisting against a colonial occupier. I mean, for goodness sake, we saw people ripping down in London. And by the way. There are videos of these people showing their face and showing what they're doing, proudly doing it, turning to the camera saying, this is for Palestine, ripping down the pictures of kidnapped Israeli civilians, including children, including babies, who we don't know what their status is right now. Um, we have videos of them. Have they been arrested? What's happened to them? We don't know. Um, celebrating this because apparently um, if a baby is Israeli or a baby is Jewish, they're an evil colonizer mm. for, for, for living there. Um, 
this is the this is the mindset. Um, and you know, as we were saying, there are far less people who sort of try to sort of muddy the water when they discuss these things and pretend they're not really saying what we know they're saying. And then there are people who um, usually Islamists or people adjacent to Islamists to Islamism who outright celebrate this. And <clears throat> we know, of course, there are many people who who um, describe themselves as pro-Palestine, that kind of thing, who are obviously um, legitimately concerned for innocent lives. And I'm sure that some of those people have been at some of the protests recently. However, if you see some of the actions at these protests, we, there was an, an immediate one um, just a few days after the attacks on Israeli civilians. Um, and of course, there was a big one in London and there are more planned across the UK, across the West. If you're, it, let's, let's use an example in Britain. Um, if an IRA uh, terrorist bombed, um, you know, a village in Surrey, okay, which they haven't specifically bombed in a village in Surrey, but they have obviously attacked British civilians. Mm -hmm. If an IRA terrorist did, th did this, two days later, would you think, right, I'm going to join a huge crowd of people, um, run through central London, um, show, uh, wave the Irish flag, uh, wave the IRA flag, that kind of thing, would that be your instant reaction? Or would your instant reaction be absolute horror that this is how um, a group behaves, this is how a group um, operates, even if maybe you might share a concern for, um, you know, their national, their nation, that kind of thing. Mm, and using your kind of IRA example there, it's hard to see how a protest like that, hypothetically, would be described by the BBC and other British institutions as a pro-Irish mm. protest. Whereas, you know, a lot of these these demonstrations that we've seen in the UK, and like you said, all around the West now, um, are described as being pro-Palestinian. But mm -hmm. I, I fail to see how taping printouts of paragliders to your back is pro-Palestinian. That mm. seems more of a celebration of uh, aerial assault. Yes. It, yeah. It's a very interesting way of, of framing this. I mean, Everybody at this table, I'm sure, would say, you know, we don't want innocent people in Palestine to die. We obviously would like there to be, you know, peace in the region. But if you're taping a paraglider yourself, you're tearing down pictures of missing babies. Mm -hmm. That's not pro-Palestinian. That's anti-Israel. Yeah, I mean, it's not. Yeah, correct. I think a good move from the media would be to describe these protests and these kind of actors as anti-Israel because that's sort of what they're defined by. That is a unifying theme. That yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And anti-human dignity and anti-human. Um, and I think that um, why they're doing this really and why what happened on Saturday was, as I say, in the moment, it was very shocking to me. And I didn't imagine that this kind of flare up would sort of happen now. Hmm. However, in terms of how Hamas operate, how also um, they, you know, um, the Palestinian Islamic Jihad, which is another group operating in Gaza, also the Popular Front for the Liberation of Palestine, which is um, another um, Palestinian terrorist group, which, by the way, um, they've blown up shops, they've hijacked planes, they're not banned in the UK mm -hmm. as a terrorist group. So, yeah, but that's another thing we can get it's to. another change in the law. Yeah, that that's something we can get to. Um, I'm not surprised by, there were people um, surprised by how Hamas acted, that kind of thing. I'm not surprised by it because I've been reading about this, writing about this for years and years. No one ever listens. Yes. No one ever listens. Um, I mean, for goodness sake, their founding charter calls for genocide against Jews across the planet, not even just in the Middle East, mm. which is a defining factor of all these um, Palestinian terror groups. The reality is that these groups, which 
we know, of course, not every single Muslim, not every single Arab, not every single person who identifies as Palestinian supports, obviously not. And we know that if they speak against it in mm. those societies, mm. they will also be killed or hyped or persecuted or God knows what will happen to them. We know that. However, a defining feature of these groups, which unfortunately have a grip on lots of these societies in the West Bank, in Gaza, um, in <clears throat> Islamist groups uh, across the world or people who support Islamism across the world. Um, the defining feature of this, which so many people in the West um, either ignore or they simply don't really understand it and think, oh, this must be um, a land dispute. Oh, it must be because of economic conditions. No, these people cannot cope with the fact that Jews who um, were um, in the Middle East uh, under the dimitude of various Islamic rulers, they cannot cope with the fact that they now um, rule themselves in a place in the Middle East, which is their ancestral homeland. They cannot cope with that. They cannot cope with that. And this is the mindset. There's no two-state solution with, with, with people who, who have that mindset because they want to destroy Israel. Yes. And there's so many people, I know that we also want to talk about um, how this impacts the West, how it impacts Britain. There are so many people on the right and on the left who sort of their idea is, okay, this doesn't really affect Britain. You know, we should stay out of it. And <laughs> trust me, I'm not saying that, I'm not saying, right, let's get British troops on the ground, which mm. I don't think Israel would even want. Um, I'm not saying Britain can solve this crisis. It absolutely can't. It can't even solve, can't even solve its policing, its own streets. I mean, for goodness sake. Well, border. On Saturday, true. On Saturday, a video of people, um, a row of um, Met Police, they're standing there and watching while, while people are chanting, uh, I don't even really want to say it. It's um, Kaibar, Kaibar, Ya Yahud. And essentially yeah. it's a chant that refers to uh, a historic battle between an, uh, a Muslim army led by Muhammad um, against a community in, in Northwestern Arabia. Mm -hmm. And they defeated the Jews there and say, okay, you're now under our rule. You have to pay this, otherwise you can leave. And it's a call for the, it's a call for the destruction of Jews. It's a call or, for the ethnic yes. cleansing of that yes. part of the world. So yes. this is the thing. Yeah. This is the thing that's so. And you're right. They they do have all these sorts of slogans. But so, so there there are degrees of shamelessness. There are people who will just be like na yeah. nakedly anti-Semitic, and those people are pretty easily dealt with. I would should be pretty 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 easily dealt with by the law because if you're glorifying a prescribed terrorist organisation that is illegal under British law, there should be far more uh, vigilance on the part of the Met Police. There should be far more willingness to 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 to, 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 to hold those sorts of people and to the Hamas law. is a designated terrorist yeah, organization in the UK. Indeed. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely it is. But and only recently all of it was prescribed. Because before it was, it was oh, only, the, we're not only the military wing of Hamas. Oh, we're not going to prescribe the political, the political wing. wing. It's like it's yes. like saying let's not um let's not um criticize um the political wing of, of Nazi Germany. I mean it's ridiculous. It's <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. it's it's, it's, at, it's utterly deluded. And yes. the same thing with, with Hezbollah. Yes. They, only, they recently only recently banned the Indeed. political wing. But that, but that, yeah. but those legal tools are available to yeah. them. But there, there, but there are also, as you say, all sorts of other slogans behind behind which these people. Mm. Are. And one of them from is, the river to the sea. From the river yeah. to the sea, Palestine will be free. That may sound innocuous enough to people who aren't well schooled mm -hmm. on the situation. Mm -hmm. But the fact is, is that whatever you think of the ethics of the ethics of large scale Jewish immigration into that part of the world in the 1920s and 1930s and 1940s. It began before that, but yeah. It, be began, it, began, it had begun before that, but um, it, it, but it was, it, and it, the British actually tried to limit Jewish immigration. Yeah, to that so part in of the 1939, the there's also a myth that sort of spread by various Islamists and Fala factors. The idea is Britain sort of deliberately wanted to push, you know, Muslims out of the area, so they were like, okay, we're going to have a Jewish state. Come on. In 1939, 1939, think about what's happening in Europe in 1939. They um, the essentially 
yeah, they blocked any kind of major Jewish immigration. They limited it to 75,000 over the yeah. course of five years. Yeah. I think it was called the Passfield Act in 1939. Yeah. Yeah. And, so and the re- sort of that came afterwards. There were huge um, Arab riots in the 1930s yes. in, in the area against Jewish immigration. Absolutely, there were, yes. But that totally ignores the fact that many of the Arab population increased massively during the mandate period because um, essentially there, were, um, there was uh, Jewish Zionist immigration from Europe and sort of Obviously, during the time, speaking about economic development, um, you know, Europe was ahead of Mm -hmm. that region. And so they were bringing sort of, you know, techniques in the Industrial Revolution, various agricultural techniques, that kind of thing to the area. And sort of the the phrase sort of people use is sort of making the desert bloom, which is a bit of a cliche, but it's broadly correct what happened. And so Arabs from different uh, areas in the region emigrated. Uh, emigrated to um, what is now Israel, what is now the Palestinian territories, because they saw the economic opportunity there. But then they decided to, obviously, some of them decided to violently riot against the Jewish immigration, which many of them have been mm-hmm. brought, attracted to the area. Um, I agree. I agree with your account of the, hist- of the history there. But the <clears> basic <throat> point is this: whether people like this fact or not, mm-hmm. there is now a, a very stable, settled, mm-hmm. ancestral. Pop, Jewish, large Jewish population in that part of the world. So when people come out with these innocu- innocuous seeming slogans like from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. What are you going to do with all of those Jewish people? It is basically an, an incitement to ethnic cleansing in that part well, of the world. I also have kind of a question about this. Where you've seen one of these slogans from the Israeli side over the past week being like, Israel has a right to exist. Mm-hmm. I don't fully know what that means. I mean, Israel exists. Mm. So, Absolutely, yeah, it, it does. It has, it does. It has, it has, the people there have a right <laughs> to defend means, themselves. It means to maintain like, itself in existence. Yeah, but it's like, what yeah. are you going to do? You're going to like disprove the fact that there are like seven million people living there? Like, mm. and um, for, they're going to get I up understand, and go? I understand from your perspective why it might seem like an odd thing to say, but as we're saying, that um, so much of the opposition to Israel is the fact that it shouldn't exist at all, which is obviously a deluded position, even if, as you're saying, you disagree about the history or what happened in the early 20th century. It exists now. It's a functioning state. Um, it has a majority Jewish population. Um, what would happen if somehow Hamas, Hezbollah, whoever, mm. uh, Fatah, whoever, managed to, you know, take over what is now the state of Israel? What would happen? I mean, um, what people also don't discuss is how actually the majority of Jews living in Israel. They are either the people or the descendants of people, family members of people who were exiled from the Arab and Muslim world Mm. just before or just after 1948 when Israel declared independence. Mm. And this was actually, of course, nothing to do with most of those people being involved in the Zionist movement. There was was some support for Zionism in um, Mizrahi communities, so... um, Jews living outside of um, Europe. There, there are there are Sephardic uh, Mizrahi um, mm. communities uh, in Europe, in places like the Balkans, that kind of thing. But Zionism was primarily yeah. a European Jewish movement. Is that yes, the point it you're was making? because yes. if you look at the history, obviously in the Eastern Europe, for example, <laughs> in the 19th century, yes. um, pogroms in Russia, all that uh, sort of thing. Of course, it was a reaction to that in part, mm. but also you see different self-determination movements in mm. Europe at that time from lots of different people. You also have the unification of Germany, unification of uh, okay. Italy, that mm. kind of thing. So it's very much a European thing, though the history of it, um, you know, it's not like they were just like, OK, let's just pick some random place in the Middle East. You know, um, the Jewish people have a historic connection with the area. Um, one of the names in the Bible for Jews is B'nai Yisrael, the children of Israel. Mm-hmm. This is a 3,000-plus-year 3, 3, history. It's not something that was just 
conjured up by you know evil Europeans. Invented on and the as I'm saying, yeah. I don't. Um, um, people shouldn't have to. Um, who are living in Israel now shouldn't have to. Um, you know, justify that fact they're living now, living there now. But there is this idea on the far left and um, in Islamist circles that every single um, every single Jew living in Israel is is um, European, um, which is even ironic um, for people who obviously have re uh, Jews there who have recent history in Europe, because of course the reason why many of them chose to leave is because actually they weren't considered white, they weren't considered European, and that's how six million of them ended up being murdered. So what can you say to that? Do you think this kind of touches on, you know, kind of a, a, a cultural myopia um, of the current moment? You call it wokeism, call it cultural Marxism, call it whatever you want, where it's that everyone basically gets broken up into oppressed versus oppressor, and oppressor codes to European, which is why people think this of the Jewish community of Israel. Because I, I worry that with this kind of very short-sighted um, way that we're talking about this conflict, I, I would even make a point to saying, you know, we've had a lot of commenters call the attacks um, on Israel um, like Nazi-like actions, which is true, obviously. But at the same time, there are also other groups outside of the Nazis which want to kill Jews. So it's like you don't need to make this sort of uh, like weird equivalence, like Islamic jihadis mm. and yeah. German National Socialists are very different types of people. Um, but it, everything gets kind of broken down into this memified format. Do you worry that sort of the cultural capital of Israel as it continues operations being the kind of more advanced, more Western, more European quoted or coded kind of state, public perception against Israel will continue to turn and they'll run out of kind of the cultural capital that they've been granted over the past week or over the past decades dealing with the issue of the two-state solution or anti-solution as it well, kind of Well, at the is. moment, as I say, there is no there is no two-state solution, unfortunately, because I wouldn't be against that. I think most Israelis wouldn't be against that. Um, can I just maybe address your, your first point first? Sure. Um, first things first. I think that um, I totally agree with you that it the way that certain people on the left, for example, have responded to this, I think it very much aligns with, with wokeism, that kind of thing. But this isn't a new thing. Um, and I think that, first of all, anti-Semitism anti in general, it's, I would say it's the most deluded form of racism because what happens is it's not just viewing a different race as or a different ethnic group as, let's say, inferior and wanting to persecute them for that reason, which is obviously disgusting wherever, wherever that group is from in the world, whatever they look like, whatever they believe. Um, it's a form of hatred that sort of it, it's so malleable and it constantly evolves and it's so insidious because essentially what happens is um, in these situations as you see as you see with um, you know I've for example this week been examining different Islamist groups uh, and their reactions to, to the Hamas attacks and essentially you have in the same group people saying that um, the attacks on civilians um, celebrating them, saying that, well, not really civilians because they're settlers, mm -hmm. despite the fact that this is a country that's existed for 75 plus years. The people there were, you know, partying or children were, you know, playing in their bedroom or people were cooking breakfast, whatever, and they were murdered in the most brutal way imaginable. Some of them burned alive. Um, they're celebrating it because they don't, um, they don't see those people as legitimate, basically. Um, but at the same time, you then have similar people saying, hmm, actually, maybe Israel created Hamas. Maybe Israel deliberately did this. Oh, mm. Maybe the IDF, uh, the gunshots um, in the back of this video were actually the IDF murdering their own people. Mm. Um, in this situation, essentially, um, and 
people's instant reactions um, celebrating obviously the attacks it's sort of like Jews can never be the victims in any given scenario because um, these deluded people just think that Jew Zionists realistically when people are talking about a lot of things um, when people are reacting to things in the same age they'll often yeah. say Zionists when come on be honest we know you mean Jew just say it we know you mean that yeah. um, <laughs> um, we know what you mean um, I would agree. With you. I would agree with you. Yeah. The, the one thing, one of the unique things about anti-Semitism is that there is a there is a paranoid strain to it, which doesn't mm. necessarily exist with other forms of bigotry. So, <clears throat> it's possible to imagine someone who hates like, West Africans because of their cooking or whatever, or whatever. Like <laughs> those people, okay. exi those, yeah. those people exist. There is yeah. that sort of dislike of mm. the other. It, that's universal. You could you could have it with. It could be. It could be anything anything you like. I didn't pick on West Africans in particular. Yeah. There's, uh, just a, a, any group of people that you dislike for certain characteristics they have. But it's another thing to say that West Africans are controlling international banking, yes. yeah. or West yeah. Africans have their hands in political events that yeah. even even redound to the to the disadvantage of Jews. Well, maybe they were. They, I mean, when I've been to the Middle East and I've met very nice. Um, Arab people in the Middle East, in, in, in Egypt, for example, yeah. who even, and even they, on the whole, will ha have a weird kind of paranoid suspicion of Israel. They will say things like, they will say, th I mean, the amount of people I met in, in, in Egypt who, who were sophisticated Egyptians who thought that Israel was behind ISIS, for example, mm. to try and counter yeah. Iranian militias mm. in Syria or in Iraq and these other places. It, it, there is this strange paranoia, the idea that the Jews have their hands in everything. And that does make it slightly different from other forms of bigotry. And, think, and, it, and it also mm. lends it to this frame, fr this, it, it also means that anti-Semitism can seem under the right circumstances like a good thing, so long as Jews are cast as the oppressors, mm. as you put and it. And I think, um, absolutely agree with what you said, but I think also it's not just obviously a physical danger to Jewish people across mm. the world. It's a sign of a society in decline. It's a, si it's a sign of a society that yes. has lost any respect for reason, um, has lost any respect for truth. Um, and I think that I'm not just obviously worried about um, the rise of uh, global anti-Semitism. I'm worried about what this means for, um, you know, Europe, yeah. for Britain, for America, Canada. Um, so let's yeah. let's get into that a little bit then, because one of the things that I'm so I I personally believe that countries like Britain and the United States should do everything they can to make sure that Israel is dipl diplomatically and morally supported. I, I agree with that very strongly, but I do think there is a strange myopia, particularly in the minds of many. Um, British conservatives to think that Israel, because it is an ally of ours, its geopolitical interests necessarily align with ours. So, for example, Israel is likely to launch a ground invasion of Gaza in the next few weeks. That seems to, that seems extremely likely. Would you agree with that? That seems um, likely. I mean, they keep saying it's going to happen, and it doesn't happen. It's obviously you're totally correct. It's a possibility. And it can't, and happen, they, it can't happen while the, Biden's there. Yeah. Can't, can't no, no, no. Biden's it's bit. very unlikely to happen while Joe Biden's there. But, but, obviously, as we're talking now, mm, he's he's arrived yes. there a couple of hours ago. But the point I would want to make oh. is that it's not obvious <laughs> to me that I mean there are two million people in Gaza. There is likely to yeah. be a, an exodus of a mass exodus of of, of Palestinians fleeing the conflict once yeah. that ground invasion is launched. General Sisi isn't uh, the, the Egyptian president isn't likely to want too many Palestinians coming in to Egypt, which, is the, which would be yeah. the, the, the natural place for them to go seemingly because um, um, uh, General Sisi is, is, is very anti-Islamist, um, very anti-Muslim Brotherhood, and the, the, the levels of sympathy for yeah. Islamism and for 
the Muslim Brotherhood among the Palestinian population. That 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 way of thinking is incredibly profound. So he, he, like, he I mean, Hamas, sorry, is basically an outgrowth an of the, an of the, of the Muslim, Muslim Brotherhood. Brotherhood. Yeah, it, absolutely, yeah. it absolutely is. And and 44% of the Palestinian population in 2005 mm. voted for Hamas in the Gaza elections. And so I don't think General Sisi is going to want those people in Egypt because I think he I think he will. Um, he, he, he will think he will imagine that they will be a very fervent, rabble-rousing political threat to him. It's very likely that Europe is going to be saddled with these migratory flows, and so is it necessarily in Britain's interest to encourage Israel to launch a, launch a grand invasion of Gaza? Mm. I think I think what needs to happen is um, obviously Israeli, the Israeli government. Um, which obviously has a lot of the same problems, um, and the Israeli military, mm. they need to do, obviously, what is best in their interest. I think, um, of course, their aim is now to totally destroy Hamas, whether or not that's a possibility. We can't really say at the moment. They also, I mean, we don't, obviously, we don't know what's happening with those hostages. We don't know how many of them are even still alive, unfortunately. The mission will be to obviously try and um, get back as many of mm. those innocent people as possible, which they absolutely should do. I think when it comes to the British government, we're in no place to support this or that um, specific military expedition or that say support um, the specifics of um, Israel's strategy in Gaza, wherever. Or, um, I think what Britain needs to do is condemn terrorism, um, be firm on that. Um, but I think that, as you say, when it comes to supporting specific military actions, I think that, I think it, doesn't really make sense because um, it's not, as you're saying, I think, I suppose with the British government, it's not necessarily in their interest. And also I think we have to think practically. I wish this wasn't the case, but it is. We have thousands and thousands of people, let's be realistic, it's true. Thousands and thousands of people across the UK who are heavily sympathetic with what happened on October 7th. Um, it's, just, it's just the case, as we're saying, you don't take to the street with a Palestinian flag after mm. after um, the government of the Gaza Strip um, burns Jewish people alive um, and including children, um, rapes you'd, women, you'd that kind of thing. You just don't. You just don't. You'd expect them to keep their heads down, if anything. No. After um, an event like that. <laughs> well, they know that there will be no punishment. Well, absolutely. Yeah. As you're saying, so you they know you, nothing will so happen So you don't trust them. So we, 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 there's been a lot, so of, there's been a lot of talk about using the legal, the legal tools we have at our disposal to try and... If, if these people have dual citizenship, to revoke their British citizenship and deport them potentially, if, if they're found to have, to have broken the law, and if they do have only this uh, mm. only British citizenship or they're only eligible for British citizenship, to um, uh, prosecute them and put them in prison under the yeah under the, under, 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 under the terrorism the problem, act. The problem is we have a completely inert, inert and broken political class and political system. In the midst of when we had those protests the other day, um, we have a news article saying. Um, actually, you know what? Um, people who rape uh, people, uh, people who um, steal things, mm, we're probably not going to put them in jail because mm. the jails, the jails are full. Seriously, <laughs> yes. is this how a, se a serious <laughs> country operates? It's not. It's not. It's not. We're not no. building anything. We can't even tackle people who, on the streets, are calling, basically calling for the blood of Jewish people. Yes. People who are tearing down the posters of of innocent children. Yes. Um, I don't think we're in any position to do to do what needs what is, needs to be done. In, in the wake of these mass protests, what do you make of Hamza Yusuf saying that he wants to basically import 
I mean, how many would it be? Hundred thousand, a million, two million. Well, there's two million refugees well, from the Gaza Strip. Yeah. We know yeah. there are too many white people in Scotland at the moment. Hamza Youssef has already made that very clear. Whether he thinks that there would be, which th- 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 there can be too yeah. many Palestinian immigrants, is another question. That he could see what's happening in in London and other British cities, and then say something like that. Like he's like, we have a a need to do this. It's like. First of all, I don't understand how that's in Scotland's best interest. I don't understand it's in the UK's best interest. And given the response that we've seen in the past week, do you think that's likely to exacerbate this, the this, issue? But this is the point. One of the things that I think made that comment so insidious is that when it's when it's juxtaposed with his obvious racist contempt for the native population of Scotland, I mean, you know, I, I think most of our viewers will be familiar with that speech he made mm. in which he was lamenting the fact that the, the, the country which he, the, 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 the people of the country he's trusted to represent is not is around ninety seven percent white. He was he was resenting the fact that Scotland was a was a was a majority which is just white weird. country. Which is just which which is, well, I I don't think it's just weird. I think it's mm. I think it's 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 a it's it's sort of a, exhibits a sort of virulent anti whiteness. It's, it's not surprising that he should want Scotland's demographics to change, given that he clearly doesn't like Scotland's demographics in their current composition. True. Well, and also that his. Um his wife's family lives in the Gaza Strip. Yes, yes. So, I mean, he's got a... I mean, it, it's just odd. To, it's much like um, when we talked to... When we talked about Rishi Sunak having a, a kind of a different loyalty mm. to uh, to India. I mean, it seems very strange that Britain's politicians now have these kind of... All of them. Mm. Um, and I think the... Yeah, I, th- I think it would be fair to say all of Britain's main politicians, leading the countries at least, now have kind of a dual allegiance yes. in, this, in this weird way. Yes. I guess that's something that we can't speak 100% certainly on because we don't necess- we can't really make windows into their souls about their specific motivations but I think especially with the Rishi Zunak ca- um, case I mean obviously I know he has Indian heritage I don't really know obviously we know his wife has mm-hmm. business interests in India I can't speak specifically to what his motivations are yeah, but the speech made by Hamza Yusuf um, I think it's really odd and I would, I would say it's racist because the way he speaks about Scotland being majority white is very odd like in his voice you know, a lot of vitriol which yeah. I just find bizarre yes. but unfortunately there's lots of people who now hold that mindset um, who don't think that's bizarre mm. and do think do just demonize white people or native yes. British people. It's very odd. But, it, it, but the th- thing is, though, is it, I, I wouldn't necessarily want to say that I've completely nailed down his motivations. And I think, no, it's, yeah. more, I think it's much more ambiguous in Rishi Sunak's case because he's never said anything quite like that. Although he, he has held up coins saying things like diversity built Britain. Like there's, there's, that, there's a picture of Rishi Sunak holding that up. Obviously, we have the, the mayor of London, Sadiq Khan, um, constantly authorizing poems on the tube which celebrate Britain's colonization yeah. in reverse. This poem saying, okay. th- saying things like your blood, your, your home was built on our blood, our sacrifice. There is this um, mm. very vitriolic, I would say, anti-white ethnocentrism on the part of many of these people. And mm. they're also liable to say that they support decolonization movements. And mm. if decolonization is such a bad thing for the people of Israel, as it clearly is, as all, the, all the sort of, you know, f- f- academic decolonized saying, oh, well, did you really think co- decolonization would be bloodless? Did you really mm. think freedom fighting what would, be, would be bloodless? Did you think it meant essays and podcasts? Yeah. 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 At least they're being, so, honest, at least they're being honest. honest. I knew that's what it meant. I knew, it's I, obvious. I knew that it's too. Obvious. I knew that too. But if it's so, yeah. if it's so bad for the people of Israel, why, do, why should we expect that it would be good for us? Yeah, true. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. 
And there is this, so there is this, and so I'm, this is what I want to make clear. I'm trying to walk a bit of a tight, a tight rope here. I, I'm, I believe that Israel has a right to exist. I think it has a right to do whatever it thinks is necessary to protect its own people. But I also think that our government has that duty hmm. to us. Yeah. I think it has that duty very strongly. And I think that it should be much more discerning in making sure that whatever, whatever they're doing, whether it's sending naval ships into the Mediterranean to show support for Israel, uh, or whether it's... Um, Re, like, tr trying to resettle displaced Palestinians in this country, they should make sure that the interests of the British people are being served first. And I don't think that those interests. I mean, are they served. haven't been. Exactly. They haven't no, been no. over no, the past indeed. however many indeed decades. Not. So I wouldn't expect anything different. And I think, you know, at the next election, we're going to have a choice between, um, you know, Keir Starmer's Labour Party, Rishi Sunak's Tory Party. But what's the difference? No, Realistically, there is, there is, there is no, no I have a bit of a provocative point to make on this, which I think maybe lends itself more to an American context. But I don't know if you guys saw a lot of conservative American politicians like Nikki Haley coming out and saying things like this, this wasn't just an attack on Israel, but also an attack on America. Hmm. Um, and it seems to me that a lot of more conservative kind of center right um, voices, Jordan Peterson, for example, coming out and saying something like finish them. <clears throat> or that might have also been Nikki Haley, but he said something to that effect, right? Mm. Um, we've seen a lot of people come out with this like massive sort of nationalistic, pro-military response for Israel that is never really seemed to be deployed for their own countries. Yes. And I do feel like this um, tragedy has given people an excuse to kind of tap into to, to those drives in a socially acceptable way. Interesting. And I think a lot of people are noticing that over this I past week. I think with week. some people, yeah. And I think that... Um, when emotions are high, people will make bold statements, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't necessarily agree with you that every American politician who is quite pro-Israel is not pro-America. I think that people like that often oh, no, get called neocons because yeah. they're quite bullish when it comes to the American military as well. Um, uh, I think that with some people, um, I think... Yeah, maybe maybe you are right that sort of any kind of sense of national identity mm. in America and Europe is quite. I would say it's in Europe more so than America it's because I've lived in America. There is still quite a strong sense of national identity. Um, I think in Europe and Britain it's more of an issue. Though I'm not saying obviously. Yes, yes. I'm not saying obviously it's, so, it's disappeared. No, so I, I think I think the point. Yeah. I think I think the point for these people wouldn't be necessarily that they're not patriotic, or that they don't care about America if they live in America, mm. or they don't care about Britain if they live in Britain, they don't care about France if they live in France. I don't think that's necessarily the point that uh, Evan is making. I think the point is is that it re it does reflect a strange order of priorities. And again, I'm not even in principle. I'm. Not, I'm <laughs> that was yeah, we'll, we'll continue. I'm, 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 whatever that was. I'm not even against, in principle, the idea of. Send, I, I I don't know enough about military strategy. I'm not against sending uh, British ships in, into the Mediterranean, like whatever function they're going to. Do. I'm not even saying I'm against that. But I do find it funny that when it, that 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 is more than this government has done to try and prevent our own um, homeland from being invaded by illegal immigrants in the Channel. Like yeah. Sending like that that level of resources. I mean, if we can, it seems to me that if we can, if we can show 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 strength in the Mediterranean, we should be willing to do it in the channel, channel always, as well. There was a strange yeah. order of priorities. I think with foreign there. policy, I think it's always easier maybe to be a bit more bullish in terms of either what you do or what you say because your um, voters are not necessarily going to pay that much attention and also 
you have less scrutiny sometimes yes, yes. when it comes to that. You so do. I think that's part of it. I think it's just easier to kind of do stuff like that for politicians. And I think um, they know that it will appeal to certain people, whether that's in America or whether that's in Britain. Um, yeah, I think it's quite easy, basically, to sort of pontificate on, on foreign policy. Yeah, but it's not just yeah. pontificating, it's not just rhetoric. And so you're, you're right, you, you, there is much more rhetorical leeway when you're talking about something going on on the other side of the world than there is necessarily when you're talking about in your own backyard. Uh, but I just find it strange that I, I think a lot of our elites, hmm. uh, and, and I mean by that I mean Western elites, particularly in America and in Britain, are we have this strange kind of arrogance whereby we think that we can hmm. solve the world's problems hmm. Through, yeah. through military, through shows of military strength. And as a result, we're just willing to let everything at home crumble. And I, and I, think, that I think that's a strange myopia which exists on, the, on behalf of our politicians. And I just find it bizarre that Rishi Sunak instantly was able to say, sort of, let's, let's deploy two gunboats in the, in the Mediterranean. But the channel, it, it, I mean, more and more arrivals are coming across the channel every week. And, he's, and he's, he seems much less willing to go hard on that mm. issue, even though I think I do think yeah. I do think it would be popular, and I don't just mean rhetoric. I mean yes. actually, do, I mean actually bloody doing things. Mm. Yeah, I mean, because uh, mass immigration feeds into the problem that's what we're describing as well, doesn't it? To do yes, with the fact that because, we now have mm. whole communities of people who's uh, who may live in Britain but don't necessarily consider themselves of Britain. Their their ethnic, religious, and ancestral allegiances lie elsewhere, and therefore, whenever there is a flare-up, whether it's in the Middle East or whether it's in uh, Kashmir. Th those, those kinds of ethnic mm. blood feuds aren't confined to those parts of the world thousands of miles away. They now play out on the streets of Birmingham, on the streets Leicester, of Manchester, and Leicester, Leicester yeah. it's and London. Even, it's not even England and, and London, which are relatively close, but I mean, it seems odd to me that there should be, you know, rocket fire over the Gaza Strip, and then the next night people come out to the Sydney Opera House screaming, gas the Jews. Like, yes, I mean, this yes. has become yes. a, a, an, an issue that was basically relegated to the area of Israel and, you know, to kind of the countries around it, it is now a worldwide phenomenon. Yes. You know, something, a butterfly flaps its wings in Tel Aviv and, <laughs> and, and, and people break down, you know, all across the West. Yes. True, but this this isn't, um, I'm not suggesting that you're saying this, but this isn't something that's just happened this time. No. 2021, 2014, 2012. Yes. Every time there's a flare-up, this is what happens. And, and British Jews um, bear the brunt yes, of it. That's yeah. definitely true. Yeah, it's true. Um, but do you think as that, I'm saying, it's because mm. the people um, who, you know, pro-Hamas, whatever, the people who claims to be pro-Palestinian, but mm. realistically, we know they don't care about Palestinian mm. lives. Um, the anti-Israel people, um, you know, it's not about Israel, it's mm. about Jews. That's mm. the reality and people don't want to acknowledge it. But That's the, the truth. Thing, if, if, I don't know, I'm, this might be a little bit off the cut, but if you had, if in 1940, let's just say in 1948 in Britain, okay, um, someone had made a prediction that in 2023, Jewish children would feel nervous about having the Star of David on their uniform. <sighs> Jewish schools would be closing in London because there were fear of, you know, r r uh, there was fear that there would yeah. be prejudice and violence against them. People We've say, already seen, by the way, someone throw red paint all over a really? Yeah. Jewish really? school they, in London. Yeah, yeah. People, the people in 1948 would say, gosh, how did the British Union of Fascists yeah. come back? <laughs> Why? Like I thought we won the war. Why is there? A, why is there a, a sort of a, a fear of, of, a, of a kind of Kristallnacht taking place in London? Mm. It's own, it, when you import the world, you do import the world's problems. Mm. You import the world's prejudices. You import the world's ethnic blood feuds. We did not need to see any of this stuff playing out on the streets mm. of Britain, and yet we do. And so I think that the, the first order priority should be. As, as, as conservatives, broadly hmm. speaking, I think you, 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 call, you call yourself a conservative, don't you, Georgia? Very small, diminishing C. Font 6C. Font 6C. Very good. Yes. Um, 
I do think we should be. Uh, uh, this may seem opportunistic. Yeah, protecting our own national security, including Absolutely. British Jews, um, including British Jews. Um, and if um, obviously you know the Jewish community in Britain is quite small, so people might not be familiar with the fact that, um, like, basically over ninety percent, if not all, Jewish community centres, um, synagogues, that kind of thing. Go and visit one and see. They're all surrounded by barbed wire and huge fences and, and security mm. guards yes. and schools. Sorry, as well, Jewish schools. Yes, um, that's the reality. So I think that the every day. So every day, um, there's protection against this. But as you're saying, it got to the point last week when we had um, hundreds of Jewish children sitting at home mm. because they thought it's not worth the risk of going to school today. And I wouldn't be surprised if um, there are already people. Um, I could check, I guess, with people I know who maybe earlier that week already mm. said, or maybe even today, say, "You look, you're not going to school." So as well, yeah. So, yeah, so as well, and I totally get that. No, I would of do course, that. Of course. <laughs> I want to ask you a question about this, actually. So the last guest that we had on was Nima Parvini, who talked about in his mm. book right here, "Prophets of Doom," yeah. this concept of Asabaya. <laughs> Great book. Um, but Asabaya <laughs> is a term that I think was coined by Ibn Khaldun, who is considered to be like the Middle East's like preeminent like sociologist basically okay. which talks about this kind of um this kind of uh, continent now spanning um sort of ethnic tie it's kind of the, the band of brothers you know it's something that's very unconscious but it, it holds people together that feeling of in-group solidarity exactly yeah and i think what we've seen now is i was just touching on you know something happens in the middle east and you know there's mass protests all over the world it, it, it is this kind of eruption of this asabaya mm. no matter mm. where you are now i've been glued to my phone watching everything that's come out over the past 10 days or however long it's been and we've seen massive amounts of pro pro palestine anti-israel protests we have seen some jewish protests but they have not been in mm. any I wouldn't even way call them protests, I would call this, them, uh, well, yeah, in the UK mean, we've had a couple of vig vigils yes, yes, sure. for the victims, the, the hostages and also the people who have already been killed. Maybe, sure. maybe, and maybe counter-protests as well. There have been some little counter-protests uh, that I've seen. Yes, yeah. yeah. Against gatherings. Yeah, gatherings, yeah, whatever, yeah. You want, whatever you want to call them. But it has not been even remotely on the same scale mm. um, as the pro-Palestine, anti-Israel demonstrations that we've seen. Yeah. Why is this? Now, I mean, I think the worldwide Jewish population is measured in the tens of millions and low tens. No, there's only 13 million Jews 13? in the world. I was gonna say, okay, I was only gonna 13 say, million Jews in the world, yeah. 20. Um, Which is still, by the way, lower than it was prior to the Holocaust. Yeah. Sure, and, yeah. and there's 1.8 billion Muslims? Something so like that, There's yeah. a scale yeah. difference yeah. there, roughly. Don't quote me on these numbers. Yeah. But you would expect to see maybe under this kind of, this small community on the, on the global scale, um, which is kind of being there's pressure coming after it from all these different angles, right? You would expect to see this like massive sense of solidarity and, and a willingness to go out and show face in the same way as these Palestinian protesters. Um, why are we not seeing this? I don't think it's not that people. I don't think it's that people are not showing face, especially if you're a visibly Jewish person, if you wear a kippah or something like that. You're sort of, I guess, every day there going been, out and showing there, face. There have definitely been individuals, and there have been vigils. Yeah, but yeah. The, the point is that those vigils have been. Disrupted, probably. Um, well, actually, there were some attempts to shout, disrupt them. Shouted down. Yeah, so vigils, you know, for the victims. Um, and I think, as you're saying, you know, huge, of course, it's a numbers thing because there aren't that many Jews in the world. Um, but I think also, as we were talking about before, it's sort of the difference between the two um, parties, shall we say, um, on the sides. I mean, overwhelmingly, um, the uh, Israeli Jewish. Uh, adjacent whatever you want to say reaction to this has been um, a concern for life and the other side celebrates venerates death you know 
this is something it just kind of gets to the point where you kind of are exhausted of saying it mm. um you know every day on palestinian uh, television you have um channels um you know telling children to be suicide bombers um telling them to you know stab jews whatever mm -hmm. this is you know brainwashing from birth basically so it's not any surprise and it's not any surprise that people in the west who um feel a sense of brotherhood with that society might also agree with with those views and it's a tragic thing really um one of the honestly one of i've seen so many horrific things over the past week i mean my WhatsApp keeps running out of storage because of all the videos and things I'm being sent, including by people I know actually who are, you know, in the region. Mm. Um, one of the most depressing things I saw was um, one of these anti-Semitic chants at one of, uh, one of the London protests. Mm. Um, it was two like adult men and then the kid next to them with, you know, a little flag on his face. And it's like, I just feel so sorry for that little boy that that's what he has been taught and that's what he maybe is gonna grow up to know, mm. just to hate Jews when, Realistically, he's probably never even had a conversation with a Jewish person. It's just, mm. um, that's just the mindset, unfortunately. And it's, what can you do about that apart from try and protect yourself? Do you think, you, you said you were in Israel and you felt a sense of safety just weeks ago. Mm. Do you think that for the youngest generation of Israelis and Jews around the world, that that sense of safety will return? I mean, we have no idea how all this stuff is going to play yeah, out. Yeah, of but course. I'm, I mean, talking, <laughs> I'm talking like 20 years yeah, from now. Yeah. Do you um, think that has been somewhat permanently damaged? I don't think I don't think you can say permanently because that would mean, you know, forever. But I think something's changed, something's dented. I mean, I look back mm. at the Friday before before that before October 7th and I feel like it's a different universe. Yes. Honestly, I yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that this is something that um, I, I know people who are already talking about, you know, this house or whatever, where this happened, you know, needs to be a museum, that kind of thing. Um, mm. I think that, um, I think this will be a change, maybe for the world, but certainly for Israel, certainly for the Middle East. Um, and I totally forgot to respond to your point earlier, sorry about when you were saying people comparing it um, comparing what Hamas did to the Nazis. Um, I think you're totally right. We don't need to say, to compare something to the Nazis, to say that it's evil. But I think, and we do know, of course, that some of the people who were um, uh, murdered or kidnapped by Hamas were actually Holocaust survivors. Um, also, um, someone else <clears throat> who was kidnapped, I believe, or killed, um, Sorry, I've, I've forgotten whether she was kidnapped or killed. She was a survivor of the Fakhoud, which was um, essentially an anti-Jewish pogrom in Iraq um, mm -hmm. in the 1940s. Survi a survivor of that. Um, I think the techniques they used, um, oh, it's, even the word, the word technique sounds ridiculous and sanitized to describe what they did, you know, burning people, targeting babies, that kind of thing. I think some of the tactics were reminiscent of, let's say, and shooting people point blank, like it's sure. reminiscent of like an Einsatzgruppen, that kind of thing. And I think also, I, should, I'm, I agree with you, we don't need to compare it to the Nazis to make, to make sure people know it's evil, but I think on the part of um, people in Israel maybe, I think, and the people that are, let's say, um, trying to show the world with posters, with videos, that kind of thing about what's happened. I think comparing it to Nazis and ISIS as well, which is obviously a recent, quite a recent, you know, memory of Islamist terror, which obviously did impact Europe, um, and also, you know, tried to genocide Christians and Yazidis in the Middle East, um, were in part successful. Mm -hmm. um, I think because those are sort of um, 
terms that people around the world are very familiar with. I think they re- they're, they're reached for in media. It helps yeah. people understand understand the the level of atrocity. the level of what happened. So they call it yeah. like Israel's nine eleven. Yeah. yeah. So I agree with you that we don't need to say this is not you know this is reminiscent of the Nazis to make sure people know it's evil. But I think it's just most people are not going to know the details. I think there yeah. was one very interesting point that I believe Barry Weiss made that I think is worth repeating in that the Nazis tried to destroy the evidence of their crimes, <laughs> whereas Hamas live streamed yeah. theirs yeah. and posted like the killing of people's relatives onto their <sighs> Facebook pages. Mm. Yeah. That's a very fundamentally different atrocity in mm. a way. Mm. Um, yes. There's something deeply sick about that, but mm. also kind of revelatory about the ideologies, which mm. yeah. I think prompted the horror. Certainly so. But uh, the, the, the thing that I, I think that probably the last time Israeli self-confidence was, was dented in the way that it has been recently was during the Yom Kippur War of 1973. And I believe in Israel there was a commission into that. People were very curious to know what mm. happened. And even though we're witnessing, understandably and rightly, a rallying, a rallying around the flag effects, in Israel at the moment, I do suspect that once things oh, settle down, there is going to be People a very serious, serious inquest serious, into yeah. what the hell happened. And I don't think Benjamin, yeah. um, uh, what's his name, Benjamin Netanyahu, yeah. is, is, is politically long for this There's world. No actually, no I don't think he is. No. But but the one thing before we finish, um, just to try and be practical, if not cheerful, <laughs> I, I, other other than other than um, uh, um, massively uh, reducing immigration and controlling the borders so that this this problem that we've incubated within our midst isn't at the very least allowed to grow and applying laws equally say that again applying laws equally. yeah, yeah and applying laws mm. applying laws equally in the territory itself when it, in, in britain in itself britain. what do you think we can do to protect the national security of this country including the security of british jews especially like what, should, what would what yeah. would a government that was serious about achieving these goals be doing mm. i mean as you say, we don't have a government that's serious about <laughs> achieving these goals for British Jews or for any British people. We just have no, there's no sense of security, is there? Um, we have, at this point, we have a situation where people's, people are, um, you know, attacked or have things robbed from them and they don't bother calling the police because they mm. know nothing will happen. Um, I think we summarise sort of accurately what would need to happen. Um, people showing support for terror groups um, if they have dual citizenship, they need to have their British citizenship revoked. Otherwise, um, they need to be in jail because, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sorry, uh, actually, I'm not sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm just trying to be polite. Um, I don't know why I'm trying. Um, if you support a terror group. Um, that is have, illegal. Yes. Yeah. Um, as I said, unfortunately, some of these groups that are involved are actually not illegal mm-hmm. in the UK, which is insane. And that needs to happen. Um, if you support um, a terrorist group, what place for you, what place is there for you in civil society, in British society? There isn't one. Mm-hmm. You're a danger. You're a danger to society. Um, there's no there's no solution to that. Um, and yeah, some people who have been involved in groups like that, they do come around. And you know, I know I know actually I've met um, <clears throat> people who've been involved in. Obviously, Majid Nawaz is quite a famous British mm. commentator. I think he might have sort of gone off a bit off the edge over the past few years over, turn, yeah. over vaccines. This, but he's sort you know a former Islamist who now sort of talks about has talked about sort of trying to get people out of that mindset. Um, there are other people like that, but the majority of people, they're never going to come around. Yes. So you need to, you need to mitigate the situation to ensure that people are protected. And um, as I was saying, it's not just a theory of, oh, what might happen? We've already seen someone throw paint over a Jewish school. We haven't looked at our notifications during 
this chat. God knows Some what could have happened. Some sort of atrocity. We don't know what could have happened. We don't know what could have happened. We had someone try and firebomb a synagogue in Berlin in the early hours of this morning. We had um, someone go on a 12 hour rampage around Brussels um, and people have died because bomb of that. Bomb threats all over Paris. Yes, yes. Yeah. Bomb threats all over. Uh, they were evacuating um, the Louvre the other day, Versailles mm. the other day, today, French mm. airports. Um, this is something that's now. This is something happening now that's a danger to all of us. And every single time, or the majority of times even, the people who commit um, Islamist terrorist attacks in the West, they're known to the police, they're known mm. to intelligence. Mm. Why wasn't something done? Mm. Time and time again, time and time again. I'm sorry, singing Look Back in Anger is not gonna- Don't, it's don't, not gonna, don't, don't, don't Look Back in Anger. Oh no. gosh, okay, okay, <laughs> yes. In anger? If only they had said Look Back yeah. in Anger. I think I'm thinking of, is the, the, wrong is songs the, is the, Palestinians. the play is called Look Back in Anger, right? Well, the play, it's like that. a kitchen sink drama from the 60s is it? about kind of like an angry young man. So I think the play That's is called, that, yeah. is it is it John Osborne, the author? Oh, because I have no idea. Okay. You, should, you should watch the play. You should watch I know the play. Oasis I song. <laughs> yeah, so I think the Oasis song is a play on that, basically. Okay. Singing an Oasis song is not going to bring people back to life. Mm. Um, why are we not doing anything? And actually, if we see people on the streets supporting, um, protesting, supporting terrorism, why are we not seeing British people on the streets um, trying to, you know, tell the government what needs to happen? Mm. I think people are just very complacent. I think the older generations as well, they're very complacent. They think, oh, well, I have a house and I have a, a decent life, so that, things I, are going to be also, fine forever. There is a, but there's also a mood of resignation, which I find yeah, concerning. Well. Why is Don't Look Back in Anger only a statement that's only ever reserved for the British population? Yeah, I know. Because yeah. it's so no racist. One, no, one, no, <laughs> no, one tells, no one tells the Palestinians not to look, not, not to look back <laughs> in anger or any others allegedly preyed upon yeah. people. Anyway, Georgia, thank you so much for joining us on Deprogram. Thank you for your insight. Evan, thanks as ever. You've been watching Deprogrammed. Make sure to like, subscribe, leave a comment if you wish, and we shall see you on the next one. Hello. If you're enjoying the New Culture Forum channel and you believe in our mission, may I invite you to join our membership scheme at the link below or on our website, newcultureforum.org.uk. Our work is more important now than ever, and we have great plans ahead for the future, but we can't do it without your support. From as little as £3 per month, you can help ensure that we continue on our mission. As a member, you'll receive a range of benefits, including access to exclusive content, invitations to our private events, including here at our studios, free copies of our books, and much, much more, including, of course, our famous NCF mug. If you aren't able to become a member, then please help us by clicking this button and subscribing to our channel. It's completely free. Just remember to also click the bell icon so that you can get notifications when we post new videos. Thank you.